I'd like to give an instruction this morning on working with difficult emotions. <clears throat> uh, difficult emotions, um, or they're sometimes called afflictive emotions, are um, emotions that arise <clears throat> that are um, connected to uh, a story or a uh, some kind of uh, idea that we're holding around our sense of ourself. When when uh, we're crossing a street and you know and we notice a truck is coming toward us and fear arises, that's not considered an afflictive emotion or you know a because it's natural. You know, fear arises and it you know it energizes us to jump back, you know, and to say on onto the curb and and be safe. Uh, it's an afflictive emotion when fear is arising, you know, out of some repeated story that keeps coming to our mind, or some projected uh, future event that uh, that we're holding on to, and again creating some story in our mind around this is how it's going to happen. Now the same with anger. You know, if you're driving on uh, the highway and and somebody cuts you off, and you know, and you feel a flash of anger, uh, that's natural. Um, you know, uh, it, somebody was just very thoughtless, uh, or you know, if somebody says something unkind, you feel a flash of anger. Uh, you know, it, it's when we hold on to it. You know, it's when we, you know, we we kind of grasp onto it and we, we think about it and we think about how, you know, <coughs> how terrible that was and how we're going to get even or what we're going to do to make them feel sorry. So emotions arise and pass away uh, as part of uh, life, you know, um, and uh, it, both pleasant and unpleasant emotions, and 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 when we uh, when they stay in motion, the word emotion has has the word motion in it. When they stay moving through us, and we don't hold on to them, and you know grasp onto them, and and stir them up, and 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 make a, you know a, a whole drum out of it. You know, they, they don't have to be a problem. It's just life flowing through us in a natural way. Sometimes it's pleasant, sometimes it's unpleasant. So we don't ha need to feel that, you know, we should never feel angry or we should, we should never feel fear. But, but when we're sitting here in, uh, in meditation or at home or, or just, uh, you know, standing at the kitchen counter chopping vegetables and and suddenly you know we're filled with anger or we're filled with resentment or or um, or guilt or fear then these are coming up from you know memory projection uh, identification and then and then we uh, there are opportunities 
to their unpleasant, their painful, <coughs> their suffering when we hold on to them. You know, they, they are patterns in the mind uh, that we've created and the, where they're, they're the way we suffer. So, um, <clears throat> you know, the Buddha, the Buddha used an image that is very um, uh, helpful and uh, many people I, I find it very easy to remember. And he, he used this, uh, this image of, of two arrows. You know, these, these things that happen, like somebody cutting you off on the highway, you know, it happens in life. It's like, it's, it's the, um, the slings and arrows of life, right? They, uh, but the Buddha said, you know, after we get shot with an arrow, we then shoot ourselves with a second arrow. And that second arrow is, you know, this stirring up of the story, the holding it, the, the uh, you know, working it up into um, a drama. <clears throat> so, um, so the first thing to do uh, to work skillfully um, in uh, using our vipassana practice with uh, with afflictive emotions <coughs> is first of all to recognize it, to be mindful that um, that this is what is occurring. So we recognize, you know, anger as anger. We recognize fear as fear. We recognize jealousy as jealousy. We recognize grasping as grasping. So when we're, when we're in it, when we're lost in it, when we're driven by it, there's not the recognition of it. You know, we're at the effect of it. And, and so the first that, that first space of knowing, of, of recognition, is, uh, allows us to then um, <clears throat> work mindfully with it, bringing it to investigation. So investigation is something that um, we do with mindfulness. It's, it's the second of the enlightenment factors. So investigation is uh, really needs to be distinguished from analysis, because very often when people think about you know investigating or inquiring into something, they think that uh, that it means thinking about it, you know, and trying to understand it in terms of you know well why. Am I angry? I'm always sensitive because, you know, this, that, or another thing in my story. And that's not what investigation is. Investigation is really, in a very direct and immediate way, um, inquiring into what is this? I've recognized jealousy. I've recognized fear. I've recognized anger. What is this? And, uh, you know, and especially, it's it's very very helpful and grounding to inquire into the experience in the body. <clears throat> the experience in the body uh, is 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 easier to to notice because you know it's it's happening on a grosser level and it it tends to stay longer 
and allows us to investigate it, whereas our thoughts are, you know, more subtle and fleeting. So, so, so there's anger, you know. There's, maybe there's heat, maybe there's tightness in the chest, maybe there's uh, tightness in the belly, maybe the jaw feels like it's clenched. Um, you know, maybe there's a, a burning sensation in the hands. You know, it, it, it could be many, many different experiences, but, it's, but when we are noticing body sensation, we're bringing our awareness, <clears throat> our mindful attention to the flow of sensation in the same way that we would if we were simply scanning the body and, and, uh, and becoming aware of sensation arising and passing away. So we're noticing the body component we're, and we are also noticing the images, the thoughts that come up. Uh, you know, we're becoming, we're bringing um, a kind of uh, there, an equanimity to it because we need to be, to have some degree of space and balance in order to be observing it in this way. Oh, I... <clears throat> So I, so I skipped a step, so there was recognition, and I forgot to mention that, um, and, and, and this, this actually forms a word, R-A-I-N, so I, I went to the I, which is investigation, and I skipped the acceptance. Acceptance is a really important piece, and it's, you know, it's that meta piece um, uh, of of opening to, of welcoming um, this, uh, you know, often when we notice something that is an afflictive emotion, you know, such as anger, such as jealousy, um, such as grasping, there's so much judgment in the <coughs> mind around it that the first thing that we want to do is slam the door. You know, uh, like, it's kind of the opposite of what the roomy poem, the guest house, suggested. You know, we don't want to welcome them in and, you know, and uh, invite them to share our space. You know, we want to say, get out, I don't want to experience you. You know, it's painful. I'm not supposed to feel these things. You know, I'm not allowed. Goodbye. So, so the recognition, you know, uh, is followed by acceptance and saying, "Hello, okay, here you are. Let's 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 get to know who you are. Let's get to know what you are." <clears throat> so the recognition, acceptance, investigation, <clears throat> and and the the fourth piece is. <clears throat> is non-identification. So, so it's not self. This anger, jealousy, uh, pride, anxiety, fear, whatever it is, arises from causes and conditions. So 
conditioning factors earlier in life, conditioning factors that are happening in the moment, conditioning factors in the body. You know, perhaps if I if I'm you know haven't slept, maybe I'm more likely to uh, become irritable. Um, so it could just be a simple conditioning factor like that. Um, you know, if it's a strong embedded pattern that manifests very often in the body-mind, then, you know, it's, it's probably a conditioning factor we've experienced early in our lives and throughout our lives. Um, so, uh, so the non-identification is realizing well, first of all, in the clarity of knowing what this is, you know, this clarity of awareness um, itself is a, a the space of knowing, and 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 if we can, you know, see it, if we can, you know, observe it, it's you know, it's not what I am. Uh, it's uh, it's something you know that is just arising, and also we see its impermanent nature. You know, we see that it's arising, it's changing, it's it's subsiding, it's passing away. You know, anger when it's observed and not uh, grasped and made into a drama. You know, will. Um, subside and pass away. So, so this non-identification is very important. You know, it's, it's not who I am. So we, we sometimes hold identities and stories about ourselves. You know, I'm a, you know, I have a short fuse or, um, or uh, I'm, uh, you know, hypersensitive or and, you know and it's there are people who just physiologically are bodies are more sensitive that's true but um, but but we can create a, a, a sense of identity around it you know or, or you know people say I'm I'm a very jealous person you know so so we create a, an identity around it and uh, and so, so it's really important that, that we recognize that these conditions of the mind are, are, uh, are just that, they're conditions. They're conditioned by our, our upbringing, maybe by our genetics, by our education, by our, our relationships, our experiences, and can change. Can change, can be moderated. So, so this is something, this kind of exploration and working with afflictive emotions is something that we can do on the cushion <clears throat> and we can also do it off the cushion. You know, when we are in our daily lives and we, we, we discover, we feel, you know, kind of suddenly uh, washed through or, or overwhelmed by some, some powerful emotional state. 
But we can just stop. We can just stop and tune in. We don't have to push it away. Maybe sometimes if we're in the middle of, you know, something at work or, you know, uh, we do have to just put it on hold and come back to it. But, but very often we can give it some attention. The Buddha said that, you know, when he, before his awakening, when he was, um, you know, a, a bodhisattva, uh, which means somebody who's seeking enlightenment. And, um, and when something would arise, uh, grasping or anger, you know, he said he would stop, even if it were in mid-step, he would just stop and completely turn his attention to observing the rising and falling of this afflictive emotion. And in this way, he deeply began to understand the conditioned impermanent nature of these states and began to recognize uh, the not-self of them. So, um, yeah, so I'd like to uh, offer, uh, just open it up to any questions you may have. You may have a question about something I've just said, or you may have uh, another question about uh, something else in your practice. Um, I just want to, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just wanted to add to uh, uh, something I heard very, that was very helpful to me in the non-identification phase of the RAIN process. Um, I think it was Jack Cornfield who said, um, when there is an, uh, an emerging emotion or a sensation, oh, this is what anger feels like. Or, oh, this is what um, jealousy feels like. So there is a distance, distanciation between the emotion and the self. <coughs> and that's been helpful to me. Mm -hmm. Thanks. I had a question. I, I don't know if you're going to get to it later, so if you are, you know, like, like maybe this afternoon. Uh, it's about equanimity, and uh, yesterday you had a quote from, I think, a Zen patriarch talking about the no preference being involved, and then you talked about a balancing metta, and I was just, I was wondering, I guess to me there's sort of a paradox that I'm a little confused about, um, how one, how you can have no preference, but still maybe prefer to lead a virtuous life or prefer to advance in, to you know, continue your practice or even to eventually reach awakening. How does, how does the no preference mm -hmm. with having these wishes or desires that others be well and that I be well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it's, um, it's something, it's, 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 uh, it's about how it words, you know, and overlapping meanings of words. So um, uh, when we talk about preference, um, we're, um, you know, we all have preferences, you know, as I was uh, mentioned in one of the, um, the earlier talks, you know, uh, you might prefer that the temperature of the room be 18 degrees, somebody else might prefer it be 20, you know, and so on. We all have, and it comes from our physiology, it comes from our conditioning, we have 
preferences. Um, and that's natural. But, you know, it's the attachment to those preferences, and they have to do with, and when we use the word preferences, you know, we ha it has to do with, you know, a sense of comfort or so fulfilling some kind of sensual desire or um, uh, some, some pleasure, something pleasant. Uh, when we're talking about an aspiration uh, toward awakening, uh, an aspiration to be free, to, to be free of reactivity, to be free of suffering, you know, it, it's a very, uh, it's, that's coming from a very deep place. It's, um, it's our innate wisdom, which is really calling us, uh, you know, um, uh, I'm trying to remember a phrase that um, my teacher, uh, uh, Matt Flickstein, often said. Um, it's, it, it's something like, um, that which you are seeking uh, is what is seeking you. So, so it is a. There, it's 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 our, it's our true self, emerging. Um, in spiritual practice, it said uh, there's a, a teacher. I think it was Nisargadatta, who said, um, uh, "We don't, in spiritual practice." We don't discover who we are. We discover who we're not, but we thought ourselves to be. So all of these identities that we, we thought, oh, you know, I identified with being, you know, um, a mother, a wife, a woman, uh, a, uh, you know, a professional, um, a kind person, you know, and they're all mental constructions and 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 when we when we go deeper and deeper just into silence and and just that the the silence of simply being uh, and we we and, and so not as a, an idea but as an experience to really be in that that mystery which is everything and that is um, that that is something that is calling us in some way in some mysterious way to to uh, to uncover to release all of these layers of you know of identity so that that uh, So that's not what the patriarch was talking about. The patriarch was talking about, you know, he w was talking about. I don't think I have the quote with me, but you know, he said when we are get when we get lost in, in opinions <coughs> of of this and that, the the mind becomes. He called it a disease of the mind, uh, and and so so so. 
all of these preferences, all of these opinions that we become attached to, you know, these are the disease of the mind. This is what causes confusion. And when, and when that can be just allowed to release, to quiet, to let go, and we can find that, that, uh, that spaciousness, that openness, that, that silence, um, to simply be uh, that's in, in that space, this clarity, awakening, presence. So, yeah. So it's, you know, it's just the way we use words sometimes, you know, uh, like I mentioned the word love sometimes, you know, uh, it can be used to mean lust or attachment or grasping, whereas, uh, you know, we often also use it to mean metta, which is a, a love which is, you know, not about me, not about my agenda, my, not about what I want, but it's, it's, it's kindness and caring. I, I was, I'd like to hitchhike on what this Yogini said. I was going to bring it up in a small group. Basically, the way I understand RAIN, the investigation would be, oh, this is, a, this is jealousy, this is anger, this is whatever. But the acceptance would be and that is, and, and this too, and this too, for me, the way I'm, I'm trying to make it work. Yeah. Um, I'm having, uh, I'm struggling with one of the best authors in Buddhist tradition, um, who wrote the book, um, No Death, No Fear. And it really is a barrier for me always that that it's it's not balanced for me and and you know exactly who I'm talking about so it's almost sacrilegious to say anything not wonderful but here I go um, it, it feels not balanced to me in the sense that it's it's on the no self I understand it but I live in a world of duality I am human and I need to hear and right now, this is who I am. If you want to call it personality as opposed to who I am. But it makes the reading difficult. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Well, we, you know, we do, we do live in our lives, you know. We live in our families, we live in our work, we live in our, our neighborhoods and, and all the different ways that we interact. Uh, and uh, and have relationships and love and uh, engage and um, and so uh, so this is just the way life lives through us you know and it's um, it, it may life may live through us uh, in one moment in, uh, in 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 laughter and playfulness and, uh, and, and being able to, you know, take a moment of, uh, you know, what seemed, you know, high drama and just kind of turn it on its head and everybody just relaxes, you know, and that's a beautiful kind of intervention. And, and life may live through us in another moment in, in being a compassionate presence. Mm -hmm. And life may live through us in another moment of saying, I can't be here and I have to turn away. This is just too much for me. 
and, and recognizing that and saying, you know, okay, so that's a limitation perhaps, but that's, that's what's manifesting in this moment. Maybe we're saying the same thing, because I understand this. Um, in the acceptance, I have the human choice to affirm myself for whatever. Could be I'm feeling something wonderful. Um, or I have, I have the choice to do the practice of letting go the practice of no self. I guess it really comes to me the balance. I, I, I hear, I read about the no self, and I understand, and I don't know, I think I've said it. Yeah, uh, you know, um, choices are made but there's not a self who chooses. Mm -hmm. so, so we don't need, I mean, the word self is just an identity, you know, of, because of our memory, we say, oh well, I was that, I was that, I am this, I will be that. Mm -hmm. But it's just putting an eye over a process, mm -hmm. you know, a flow, a flow of life. So, um, and so, uh, it's, it's the identification as self that, you know, somehow that we have to protect, promote, you know, that this self has to be, you know, respected and, you know, all the things that we want a self to be, uh, that creates problems, this, this clinging to a sense of self, separate, uh, permanent, somehow, you know, not part of and deeply interconnected with everything else. Let me, let me put these words, the ultimate dimension and the historical dimension. I understand the concepts. Being human, I'm also supposed to be fully right here, right now. Huh. I and, mean, and that's where I'm having trouble with the balance. So, so, so we, in Buddhism we talk about the relative and the ultimate or the absolute. So yeah, we are, we live our relative lives and, you know, and, and if, you know, and if I saw you on the street and I said, hey Lynn, you'd turn around, you know, because, you know, and if you said, hey Daryl, I'd turn around. Uh, because this is, you know, this is, we're ordinary, we live our ordinary lives. Um, so that's and and, uh, and there can you can, you can get unbalanced and kind of be attached to this sense of emptiness, you know, this this sense of you know oh I'm so Zen or I'm you know I, I you know everything is empty. In fact, that's a kind of attachment, you know. Oh, nothing really matters, <laughs> and you know it's all illusion and and that kind of thing. It's it, it's out of balance. Um, yeah, we're living. We're living. You know, we have to. We have to feed our kids. We have to, you know, come home to our families or to, you know, to our home if we live alone, and you know, feed our cat. 
uh, call our mother, you know, whatever, all these things that we need to do. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, those, that's the reality of our lives. And it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I mean, it's rich, you know, because our lives are always also, you know, mirroring the truth to us as well. So many ways that our lives are teaching us. <clears throat> okay, so let's do some sitting meditation practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.